0: i Pastor JD, I work with the youth uh, in the back, I'm so excited, uh, welcome to those that are here with us in person, to those online, welcome, thank you for joining, uh, I'm really excited not just to be sharing with you, but because I'm excited to see um, what God's going to do, God has been on the move in this place. The Holy Spirit has been here. Um, I said a first service, but I mean, you sense it when you're coming in the door. You sense it when you're driving on the drive. Like, the, the Holy Spirit is here, and God is moving. He is healing. He is changing lives. And I'm just so excited and, and just expectant of what's going to happen today. That's why I'm excited. I'm ready to go today. Are you guys ready to go? Because I'm ready to go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but today, I want to start with a question, because we start with the excitement. But I just want to start with a question. I just want you to to think about. What are you sowing into your life? What seeds are you sowing in your life today? What seeds are you sowing into your family, into your children, into the people that are around you? What are the seeds that you're sowing in your life? Today, uh, we're kind of going to be grounded by this principle of sowing and reaping. It says, and we see this a lot, but it says... Um, the outcome of what you get in most things is impacted by what you put into it. What you receive from something is related to what you put into that thing. And we see it in a lot of areas of our life. We can see it um, in our relationships with one another. If We want to have a deep and meaningful and impactful relationship with someone like a friend or, or a family member. Then we're going to get out of it what we put into it. If we don't invest into that relationship, then that's not going to be that deep, meaningful, impactful relationship. With, with anyone, we get out what we put into it. If we don't nurture, if we don't put in and pour into a relationship, then, then it's going to fall away. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dissipate. We even see it in basic things like our bodies. We get out what we put in. So the food that we eat determines what we get out. If we eat a bunch of junk food and bad food, then our, what we get out of that is we're not going to feel great and we're going to get a little chubby and we're going to feel sad about the way that we look and have to buy a new set of wardrobe because you don't fit in your clothes anymore. You get out what you put in. If you put in the good food, you're like, oh man, I feel great. You know, I slept great. We're going great. We get out what we put in. What we invest, we get a return on. It's a scriptural principle. We see it in scripture. In Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 7 through 8, and this is in your notes. So if you get your, your sermon notes out, this is on the first page. Scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But to the one who sows in the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. That phrase, for the one who sows in the flesh will reap corruption. What we put in, what we sow, we will get out. In our relationship with God, what we invest in our relationship with God is what we are going to get out of our relationship with God. God is always there. He is never failing. He is unchanging. He will always be there. God is a constant. What's not always constant is what we invest in that relationship with God. When we invest in that, we're close. We're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. We are hearing what he has to say. We are sensing where to go and which direction to go. And when we're not, we feel distant. We feel numb. We, 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 don't, we don't sense God's Spirit. We're, we're, we're disconnected because we are not invested In our lives, what we sow in our lives, we will reap in our relationship with God. What we see with our eyes, what we follow with our heart, and where we are led with our mind has a huge impact on our relationship with God. So the question I want you, again, I'm going to have you sit on this question today. What are you sowing in your life? And then what is it that you want to reap? What do you want to get? When we accept Jesus, right, we pray the prayer. We say, God, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. We say, I admit that there is sin in my life, that that I have done things wrong, that I am not perfect, that I am messed up. And then I surrender and I say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I surrender to you and I I let you be the Lord of my life. And then we make this declaration. We do it as a declaration saying of this fact that right now, from this point on, Jesus, you are my Lord and there is nothing else that I will serve. And that's so powerful, that declaration. Last week on Easter was such an incredible week here. We saw several people for the first time make that declaration. They stood up. They declared, you know what? Jesus is my Lord and I serve no other lords. And that is so awesome what happened in here last week in this place. Lives were changed. Generations and generations were altered. The course of of, of families were altered because of decisions that were made here last week. The Holy Spirit was in this place. It was so in this place, and you could sense him and feel him when you were in here. Can we just take a second and praise God for what he did in this place last week? Can we just pray? I mean, that's what we're all about. I heard Pastor Randy Terry say it at the end of first service. That's what we're here. That's what we're all about, to go forth and make disciples. So to see people, you know, pray that prayer, to see people give their lives to Jesus is just so great, so awesome. Last week was such a great week. And, and as we start, I just, I just want to pray. Will you bow your heads and pray with me today? God, we praise you for how you are moving in our midst. We thank you, God, for how you've been showing up and you've been changing the atmosphere in our lives. You've been healing, God. You have been restoring what has been broken and taken from us. And God, we pray that what you started in our lives and the lives of others will continue. And God, we pray for, for our time here today. God, I pray specifically that the spirit of truth fill this place. God, will we sense your spirit? Will there be miracles? Will there be healings, God? Will there be revelation, wisdom, God? Will we leave this place changed? Will the spirit of truth rest upon us? In Jesus' name, amen. declaration that we make that Jesus is our Lord, it sets us on a new path. I've been using this uh, illustration when we meet with the youth on Wednesdays. Talk about how our lives, if we're walking on a path, right? We're walking, and when we say, You know what, Jesus is my Lord, I give my life to Jesus, we turn. That's why we're actually called the 180 youth, right? You turn, you do a 180, but you turn, and now you're on a whole nother path. You are oriented in a whole nother direction, and that direction is towards God. Whatever you were going towards this way, towards death, towards sin, you are not in that direction, you are moving in this direction. That's what that declaration says, that Jesus is Lord, that we are heading in that direction. Uh, so I teach at the school here. So we have our school that's here and I, and I teach junior high at that school and a couple weeks ago, we went to uh, Medieval Times. Some of my students are sitting in the front row. We went to Medieval Times because um, we were studying the, settling the Middle Ages. So no better place to go than, than Medieval Times. And There's yeah. uh, there this lesson on chivalry. It was, it was really cool. Um, if you've never been to medieval times, I, I encourage you to go with a bunch of junior high boys who are still trying to find their, their man voice that go, oh, it ah, oh, oh, sound like Tarzan as they're cheering for their. Uh Sorry, guys. Um, they weren't here first service, so it wasn't as awkward. Um, but yeah, it was great. But while we're there, you know, they use the terminology Lord, my Lord. Lords and ladies is what they call everyone that goes there, right? They use the terminology, my Lord. And, and they just kept using that, you, you know, they, they had all the people dressed up in costumes, it was really cool. But it really, it gave me the sense of what the, lo- the word Lord, like, meant. Okay, the, the word Lord was not just like a Mr. or Mrs. It wasn't just like some nonchalant title that was given to somebody. That was a very significant term. Your Lord was, in, like, significant in your life. They were the determiner of your steps. They decided what you did, when you did it, and if you didn't do it right, they had ultimate ruling authority over your life. The Lord that you served was in control of you. When you served on their land, they were in control. They were in charge. They determined what you did and how you did it. So when we say Jesus, when we pray that, and we say, Jesus, you are my Lord. See, we sometimes move past that really quickly. You know, you're the Lord of my life. And we we don't understand the significance. What does it mean when you say that someone is the Lord of your life? Well, that, that verbiage means that Jesus, you are the determiner of my steps. You decide where I go, when I go, and how I go. You are my Lord. It's not some loose term that was used. Even, you know, it's, it's written in Scripture, Jesus, Lord Jesus, you know, that's not a loose term that was used. We've kind of lost, I think, definition of it because we don't call anyone, lo- you know, there's no lords here, right? You don't say that unless you're joking or you're going to medieval times, but, but like we've lost significance, but that term was, was so heavy. Jesus, you are my Lord. In every decision, in whatever direction you say to go, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I will go. It's not even a delayed decision either. It's not, Jesus, you told me to do something, so I'm going to go home and pray about it, which just sounds, you've already got your answer. There's no need to pray about it. It's not a delayed, like, oh, well, I'm going to think about it really hard, and maybe in a couple months I'll figure out that I, I have the courage to do that, because Pastor Annie preaches a great message, and I feel inspired, I'm going to go do that. It's when you say go, I go. As simple as that. Jesus, you're my Lord, and I go when you say go. I respond immediately. I won't wait. God, you tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. What do I need to change in myself? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to fix? What do I need to take out of my life? What do I need to add to my life? Who do I need to be around? Who do I not need to be around? And I'm going to do it because you're my Lord. I will do whatever you tell me to do. That's that declaration of, of Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. That's what we mean when we say that. It's not just a Sunday, we pray it on Sunday, and it's just, you know, it's tradition. No, no, no. That is a very significant term that we use. Because the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit is always, always speaking, always leading us, always directing, whether we realize it or not, always has a direction, at any moment. And the direction is leading us to God. The Holy Spirit has us, is directing us on this path towards God. And since Jesus is our Lord, we follow that direction. That's where He's telling us to go. That's hard, though. It's not as easy as it as it is to say it. It's not comfortable. It is not just a light, like whatever you know. I'll just go that way. That's fine. It is not comfortable. But we have to respond. When we say, Jesus, you're my Lord, we are not declaring that I'm going to be comfortable. We are not declaring that I'm going to, Jesus, you're my Lord when I feel like it. Like today, you're my Lord, Jesus, because I feel good today, or I feel like I want to be a good person today. But tomorrow, you know, I, I feel like I want to do what I want to do and maybe take a me day. So you're not my Lord today. That's not what it means, Jesus, is my Lord. That means that every day I'm going to do what you tell me to do. You're my Lord. There's so much that God wants to do through us. Like I said, the Holy Spirit's always speaking. God wants to do so much through us, through each of us, not a specific few, not, I mean, every single person that walks through this door, even whether they know Jesus or not, like God has something for each of us to do, people for us to reach. Sometimes we have to, God has to do some work in us before he can do stuff through us. Sometimes we need to heal through things before we can go to where God's calling us to go. Sometimes the direction that God calls us to go is to take some things out of our life, to add some things into our life so that we could do what he's called us to do. But there is no debate that God is calling us all to do something. Sometimes we have to start with um, a dangerous prayer. A Pastor Andy, a couple years ago, did a, a series on dangerous prayers. You say dangerous and prayer, those, those two words you don't think go together. Yeah, super dangerous prayer, because you pray it, it's gonna start something in you. You gotta be ready for that. It's not an easy, you know, I'll Just you know, it, it starts something in you. And we find that in Psalms chapter 139, verses 23 through 24. This is in your notes as well. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Whew. It says, God, reveal to me what is in me that is offensive to you. Show me what I'm doing that is displeasing to you. Search me. We might be able to deceive everyone else. We might even be able to trick ourselves. We will never be able to deceive God. When we say, God, search us, God is going to search us. And he's going to search every part of us, even the parts that we don't want no one to know. Search me, God. And direct my steps. Today, uh, I want us to be bold enough to pray that prayer. There it is. It's so good we said it twice. I didn't have to say it that time. I want us to be bold enough to pray that prayer. God, search me. Search my life. Show me what it is that I am sowing in my life. What am I sowing currently in my life that I'm going to reap a harvest of later? Show me what I am sowing. The first point, and this is going to be in your notes, it's point one. What are my eyes seeing? The fill in there is eyes. What is it that we are seeing, and how is that having an impact on us? This this uh, can be interpreted a couple different ways. It looks it looks a little. There are a couple ways it could be interpreted. One in a very physical way, literally. What are we are we looking at? What are we seeing? What is it that we are permitting access to our soul through our eyes? What is it that we are taking in? It seems so basic, but literally, what is it that we are allowing access to our lives through what we see? Whether it's in TV, what TV shows, what are the the things we're watching in TV, whether it's movies, movies whether it's social media, people we follow on social media, whether it's um, uh, videos we watch on YouTube, maybe even music we listen to, I know it's hearing, but still like the same idea there. What is it that we are permitting access to our soul that has an impact on us? We think that it's nonchalant, it's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, we don't, it doesn't matter what I'm watching, you know, I'm strong enough that it's not going to affect me, but it does. These images and things that we see, they turn into thoughts in our head. And these thoughts, they turn into ideas, temptation, motivation, and these ideas, temptations, and motivations, they turn into something that is not what God wants for us. They turn into something that eventually builds this wall between us and God. You see, the Holy Spirit has us on this path, but then by the things that we see, we put up this wall in front of us, and we're convinced that it's not a big deal. Even some of the voices that we listen to. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are you allowing? What voices are you allowing to speak that? What things are you watching on show that are making sin okay? Make light of sin, ah, it's not that big of a deal. That takes something that God has set forth to be really bad and said don't do it and just kind of doles it down a little bit. And then, and this is a side note, but what are we letting our kids Watch. How are we letting our kids sew things into their lives without us even realizing it? You know, like technology, right? We just take the phone, take the iPad because I could get a second of quiet. But what are they watching on YouTube that they don't even realize they're watching? Do we know what's, what's going on with Snapchat and how you could hide messages on Snapchat and do whatever you want? And do you know the, the, the filth that's even on Instagram and Facebook? Do you know what's permitted? Do you know what's permitted on TikTok? And just how evil it is? What are we allowing? Because our kids, they're sowing these things in their life. So they begin to sow this into their life and we don't realize it, but they're going to reap that later. And, and, and that's going to create some, some division, especially as they're trying to grow in their relationship with God. They're going to be reaping something that they've sown years ago and it's going to be really, really tough for them. That's a side note, but still important. Another way that, that what our eyes are seeing work is in our circumstances. What are we seeing? Are we seeing our current struggles? Are we seeing the current things that we're going through, the battles that we're fighting in our lives? Are we seeing what we're stressed about and what we're worried about and what keeps us up at night and what we're anxious about? Are we seeing that through our own eyes? Through our own eyes of worry and and, and just stress and anxiety? Or are we seeing that through God's eyes? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, we walk for, we walk by faith and not by sight. Are we seeing everything in front of us and just being so stressed out about it, it's never going to work out. I don't know how any of this is going to happen. I'm just, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Are we seeing it through God's eyes? Or this, how are we even seeing ourselves? How are you looking at yourself? Are you looking at you the way that God sees you? Or are you looking at you through another lens? Do you see yourself as someone that's not able to do, you know, not able to follow God, not able to serve? Do you see yourself as someone that's not able, incompetent, not not able to do that? Or do you see yourself the way that God sees you, the way that He's empowered you? Do you see yourself as someone with gifts and, and, and spiritual gifts that you can serve and, and you can help people and you can tell people about Jesus and you can bring healing into other people's lives? Or are you seeing as someone that's broken and, and, and not able to do anything? Because we have to change that. How do you even see yourself? When we follow Jesus, our perspective changes, it has to. It's like we, one set of glasses, the way we look at the world, and then we put something else on. We put on a new perspective. We gain a whole new perspective when we follow Jesus. And then we look at our world through that perspective now. We look at the world, we look at people through the perspective of God rather than through our own perspective. For example, you know, what, are, what are some of the things in our life that are out of control that we see as out of control? That there's just so much going on, I don't know how to sort through it, I don't know what's going to happen, it's chaos. And through our eyes, we worry about it, and stress about it, and are anxious about it, and don't know what to do, and it keeps us up at night. Instead of looking at it through God's eyes and saying, yeah, this is a mess, but God is going to bring something forward from this. God's going to bring something through this. God's going to use me to bring peace to a situation. God's going to use me to bring wisdom to a situation. What conflicts do we have with people at work, in our families? What are conflicts do we have that we've been seeing with our eyes as just, oh man, they've upset me, and I'm mad at them, and I'm going to get back at them. But these conflicts are much deeper than the surface, and instead of distance and hurt feelings and shutting people out of our lives, they actually require prayer and God's intervention. And we've been looking at our eyes that I'm just going to cut this person out of my life because they, you know, they made me upset. Where God, through God's eyes, we, look at, we need to pray because there's something deeper going on here. This is not the conflict that we're having. There is something in this person's life or my life or both of our lives that is affecting this conflict. That's what it means to look at something through God's eyes, to dig deeper, to look deeper. What are areas in our life where we see something that's inconvenient or really annoying or something we don't want to do, but God sees it as an opportunity? Through God's perspective, it's an opportunity for something, for us to grow, for us to impact others. And then are we even recognizing the spiritual aspects that are at play every day in our lives? Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Where is it that we're fighting the wrong fight, flesh and blood, when the real battle is in the spirits and principalities around us? Where are we thinking that this is just, fight physically and, and, you know, it's just this person, it's this person's fault. When there are spiritual forces at play that are trying to separate you and someone else or trying to keep you away from something, you'd be surprised when you look at it, how much that the devil's trying to keep you away from something that is good, a positive relationship, a positive place for you to be by using something physical that just kind of keep, someone offended you or someone made you upset where God is trying to place you somewhere and the devil wants you to take yourself out of that place by choosing some little beef that you have or some little thing that's like insignificant. Let's just, I want to stop here and I, I want to ask God, will he reveal those things? We're going to do this a couple times, but will, will he reveal, will the spirit of truth reveal to us where it is that we are seeing things and we are sowing things with our eyes that are negatively impacting our relationship with God? So I'm going to pray. So we bow your heads. So God... We ask that the spirit of truth come right now and reveal to us where we are seeing things that are offensive to you. Where are we sowing things with our eyes that are offensive to you? Where are we putting up walls in our life between people or between us and you that is having an impact on our relationship with you? God, what situation, what relationship, what worry do we have where we're looking at things with our own perspectives and not your perspective, God? God, God, change in us these things that are offensive. Take them, rip them out from us, these things that are offensive to you. Reveal them to us. Lead us to change these things. And then in the place of that, let us replace that with something that is of you. Rip out our perspective that is old and tired and broken and give us a new perspective that is a perspective of you. The way we look at situations, God, let us not look at them as lost causes or situations where we stress and worry, but let's stand on your truth, God. Replace that with your word, your truth. In Jesus name Amen. On the inside of your notes, um, point two says, "How is my heart influencing me?" I'm going to start by saying something that is um, it's scriptural. It's a, it's a biblical truth, for sure, but it is so like against what our world says and, and, and the way things are going um, in our world. But then again, it's so needed for the time that we're in. It's a little shocking. Our hearts are evil. Our hearts are working against us around the clock, doing whatever they can to separate us, not all the time, but to separate us from the presence of God in pursuit of what we want, in pursuit of our own desires. We see this in scripture, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. The politically correct idea of follow your heart or do what makes you happy is not biblical, it is not from God. People may believe it, and it may be the popular motto, do whatever you want, do what makes you happy, what do you feel, because that's correct, but that is not biblical, Think about it this way, and this is, again, very practical. When we go on a diet, our minds know that we need to get in shape, but our heart tells us that there's ice cream in the freezer. When we gotta go to work on Monday morning, our mind knows that we need to pay the bills and that we gotta go in because we got a bunch to do, but our heart tells us that we were out late last night and our bed's really comfortable and we still have some sick days left that we could call in. Our heart is working against us. Our heart is a great beautiful thing that God has given us, but we have to be very clear about it. We cannot let our heart, our feelings, how we feel about things steer the ship. They cannot determine our actions, determine what we do. But our society has shifted to be run by our hearts. The world is run by people's hearts. What's the main focus right now? Do what feels right. We need to make it okay to do whatever you want to do. Do whatever makes you happy, whatever you feel like. Popular society is dictated by what feels right to each person. Be whoever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. Teach kids whatever you want to teach, unless it's from the Bible. And when our direction that we're headed is determined by our own hearts... This is what scripture says, and I'm reading it from the message version. Um, it just, the way it puts it is just, it's striking. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. It says this, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket God's. Magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to be loved or to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And Paul says, I could go on. Whew. Any of those things sound familiar? Like You hear any of that? I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. When we sow based off of our heart, when we sow based off of our feelings, what we want, what we feel like, Scripture says this is the outcome. And then I read that, I'm like, well, that's our world. I read so many of those things, right? The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. How often do you see that? Anyone that doesn't agree with you is your enemy. Right? Like, you could see all of that stuff. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, things that are now your God. Like, that is our world, and that is because we've been dictated by our hearts. We cannot let our lives be controlled by how we feel, our feelings. Our feelings can be indicators. They're not all bad. They can show us when something's wrong inside of us or something's wrong in something else. Our feelings can definitely point us in a direction, but they will not be the ones that steer the ship. They will not be the ones that tell us where to go. They can show us when something's wrong. Ah, I don't, you know, I'm feeling kind of upset about that. What's going on inside of me? Or they can show us when something else is wrong. Ah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. That doesn't sit right with me. But they are not the ones that steer the ship. Think about this, we make decisions based off of money all the time. And not because of what God says or what God wants for us, but because it helps us feel secure. We feel secure about it. We feel good. I feel good about it. We cut off relationships with people that are there to mentor us, people that can pour into our lives. We cut those relationships off because it helps, or because the truth makes us feel bad. When they tell us the truth, it hurts. It's uncomfortable to hear the truth. It makes me feel bad. So I don't want you in my life. I mean, we end marriages because we don't feel love anymore as if love was just a feeling. We distance ourselves from God because biblical truth that convicts us makes us feel too guilty. I don't want to be in the presence of God because I feel guilty because I know that I'm not doing what God says. We disregard, we completely write off the Bible and don't care about what the Bible says, say, oh, it's not true or whatever, whatever, whatever. Because it doesn't match how we feel about a situation. Because we disagree with it, so the Bible must not be true. We even, and I feel like, yeah, I could say this, maybe not Pastor Randy, but we even leave church communities because it doesn't feel good to be pushed to to follow the will of God. It doesn't feel good to be pushed into the uncomfortable and to change. So we go somewhere that tickles our ears, somewhere that's a lot easier to hear. All right, this is a little bit edgy, but I'm the youth pastor, I can get away with that. Our hearts need to be managed. God gave us our heart, he gave it, it helps us to love others and to love him. But it is not what determines what we do. We do not base our decisions off of our heart. That job belongs to God. That only belongs to God. So I'm going to pause for another moment and I'm going to pray that God reveal to us where is it that our heart has been influencing what we sow? What have we been sowing with our heart? What feelings have we had that we've been sowing that we're going to reap something that's going to put that wall in between us and God? So I'm going to pray real quick. God, search us. Show us, search our heart, search our heart and our feelings and show us where they are influencing us to do something that is offensive to you. Show me what is it in my heart that is against you. And God, we ask that you remove that from us in Jesus' name. Remove those things in our heart that are against you, that are offensive to you, that are not what you say, that are not based on your truth. God, we pray you give us wisdom in every situation and the power to choose wisdom and your truth over our own feelings. And then God, I pray that you help us to recognize, God, recognize when we are making decisions based off of how we feel and not based off of your truth. Show us, God. Every time we do that, God, let it hit us upside the head where we're just like, oh my gosh. Show us, God, let it, and and in those situations, will we change that? Will we make decisions based off your truth and not on our feelings? Change that in our hearts, God. Amen. Our last point, and it's it's on the back of the notes, is where is my mind taking me, point three. Our minds are so powerful, just like our hearts. But just like our hearts, they need to be managed. We have to ask, what are we thinking about that's displeasing to God? What thoughts do we have that are displeasing, that are offensive to God? What thoughts do we have that are going to drive us away from the presence of God? What are we sowing with our mind? What are we allowing to exist in our thoughts for more than just a moment? What are we permitting access to our mind for more than just a single moment? What is it in our head that's going unchecked? You see, thoughts are not a sin. Bad thoughts, impure thoughts, lustful thoughts even, those are not a sin. It is what we do with that when it comes where we get into a little bit of trouble. Do we capture that thought as scripture says? Do we capture that and and hold on to that and hold that up to the word of God as we're going to read in a second? Or do we let that stick around a little bit? Do we let those thoughts of anger or resentment or impure thoughts or lustful thoughts, do we let those stick around and stay in our minds for a little bit? Do we entertain those thoughts? Do we just think about that? Do we fantasize about these thoughts? Do we run through scenarios with these thoughts? Oh, what if I just... What if I just blew up on everybody and I told everyone that was that was you know got me upset and I told them peace of my mind? Do we run through these scenarios in our mind? Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Scripture says every thought comes into our mind, we hold it, we take captive, and we hold it up. Is this obedient? to Christ. Is this what scripture says? And if it's not, we throw it off. We take our thoughts, good and bad, and anything that is displeasing to God, anything that is against what God says, we throw out. We have to hold up our thoughts to what God says and determine if it stays, if we think about it, or if it's gone, it comes in a moment and passes. Some of us, we get caught into negative thinking, this is never going to work out. Life will always be this way. Never going to get these things. I'm never going to grow through this. This person is always going to be this way. They're always going to hurt me. Nothing is ever going to work out. And now we get caught in these negative thoughts. We let them stay in our mind, and our mind is full of just negativity, and others even around you can sense it, because everything is negative. Nothing is ever going to work out. Those are not of God. That is not what Scripture says. That is not who God is. So we capture those thoughts. And you know, when it says capture, when you capture someone, you don't take it by the hand. It's not a graceful thing where it's, oh, come on, come on. It's, you gotta grab that thing by the shoulders and you hold it up to the will of God. Is this what God says? And if not, we throw it off to the side. Some of us, we get caught in the thoughts of offense. We're offended. We get offended by every little thing that someone does. They didn't say hi to me. You know, they were. They looked upset after they talked to me. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. I'm offended. I'm super offended by it. They didn't shake my hand. Man, Pastor Randy didn't come pray for me at altar time, even though I was up at the front. I am offended. Now that's not you. That was me. I just. I get caught in offended thoughts. Right, That has been something that I've worked on. But we get caught in all these, we're just offended. Those are not thoughts that are of God. Those are lies. We have to take those thoughts and we have to hold them up to what the truth is and toss them aside. Some of us, uh, we have ways of thinking or structures that we've built, thoughts that we've built in our minds because we've been hurt and we don't want to get hurt again. We developed ways of thinking like, I'm not going to let anyone close, or I'm not going to let this person close so I don't get hurt, or this person, everyone's just trying to manipulate me and get something out of me. No one really cares about me because someone's hurt me in the past, so everyone's just trying to get something out of me. or th- That's not their true intentions. They're liars. They don't mean that. You know, I, I've struggled with this in the past so much that someone would say, good job, and I was so struggled with, with my thoughts and where I was at that I'm like, they don't mean good job. That's a sympathy good job. They actually mean I did a bad job right cuz i'm so caught up in like you know what people are saying that it's the words that they would say i didn't even hear those words we build up these structures to keep us safe we have to hold those thoughts up to scripture up to what the bible says up to what the word of god says and if they don't fit then they go romans 12:2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We pray that God renews our minds and that we can recognize what is not of God, that he changes our minds and we know what is not of God. And then more important than that, we begin to know what is of God. Renew our minds so that we can recognize what is of God. What have we sown into our lives, sown into our mind through our thinking? What thoughts have we allowed to stay for way too long? They have overstayed their welcome. Thoughts of offense? Negative thinking? Thoughts that I didn't even name? What thoughts have we shown into our life that we need to get out of there? Will you pray with me? God, search our thoughts. Reveal to us the thoughts that we have about people, situations, ourselves even. Reveal to us the thoughts that are not obedient to you. Reveal to us the thoughts that are offensive to you. And God, let's replace those thoughts with the truth. Any one of those, those thoughts that are not of you, let's replace it with what Scripture says is truth. God, we are beautifully and wonderfully made. God, you, will, you are working out things for our good. What Scripture says is truth. Let's our, let our thoughts and our purposes be of you and your will. Amen. Amen. As the worship team comes, um, I want to close with this. We talk a lot about the, you know, I talked a lot, and I get so passionate, and I yell a little bit, and my voice gets tired, but, but we, I talked a lot about, like, the things that we're doing wrong. God has never called us to be perfect. Not once. But here's what God does call us to. We talk, I, I showed you at the beginning how, you know, we're walking away from God and then there's this moment and then we turn back and we're walking towards God. God doesn't call us to be at the end goal, but what he does is he calls us to be walking on that path towards him. That's what God is calling for us to do. To be sowing in good and not sowing in bad and not that, you know, we're not going to make mistakes or mess up. Mistakes happen, but God who searches our hearts and knows our hearts knows where it's a mistake knows that there's the intention knows that we're on that path knows that what we're sowing is good God calls for us to be walking towards him and not away from him and it's not easy to walk that path and not get diverted and take another uh, a, a turn somewhere or not, not fall off that path and end up at a different destination so how do we stay on that path well, first, we need to recognize that we do not have the ability to do that on our own. All the things we talked about, sowing with our eyes and our minds and our hearts, we do not have the ability to do that on our own. We do not. We cannot. Anyone who's tried to change things and change, change things in their life, when they've tried to do it on their own, without the power of God helping them, it, it usually ends up fruitless. There's, there's nothing that comes out, it's just a, a failed attempt. We cannot do it on our own. All of it is ruined by the lies of the enemy. Lies like, oh, it's just okay if I watch this one show. It's not going to do too much damage. Or it's okay if I do this one thing because it's not really affecting anyone else. Or we say, oh, if I feel this way and I was made by God, it must be how God designed me to feel. So it's okay, even if it's not what the Bible says. Because that's how I feel. Or the, the thoughts of the Bible doesn't really apply to me. I'm kind of, you know... Bible is for people way back then. It's not for me now. It's not for all time. Thoughts of, oh man, this person is really against me. These are all lies from the enemy. These are these are not truth. These are lies that throw us off course. Thoughts of if I let this person close, they're gonna hurt me. They're gonna hurt me again. Thoughts of people are always gonna let me down and disappoint me. The enemy can't change our direction as we're headed towards God. But what the enemy can do is put these lies in our mind put these lies in our life so that we change that direction ourselves so that we start to put those walls up in our pursuit of God ourselves so that we start to distance God ourselves by believing the lies we can't believe the lies of the enemy we have to recognize that lies are the things that we're seeing what are we seeing that's a lie how are we influenced by what we're seeing that's a lie how we see ourselves? how we see our situation lies that that we're feeling what are we feeling that's a lie How are our feelings lies? How are they lying to us? How are they influencing us to do something wrong? Lies in what we're thinking. What are the lies in our mind? We have to call those out. We cannot believe the lies. They will throw us off track. And in order to do that, we have to stand on God's authority. God's authority is what empowers us to stand and tell the enemy to go and flee. That you don't have a place here. That's God's authority. Luke ten nineteen. behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. In every circumstance, we have to say, enemy, flee. You don't have the authority here, enemy, flee. We have to step up in our lives, in these areas of our life. We have to stand in God's authority in our lives and say to the enemy, flee, enemy, flee. In what I'm seeing, enemy, flee. I will no longer permit access to things that are gonna separate me from God. I will no longer be overwhelmed and anxious about the situations in my life that are gonna separate me from God or distance me from God. Enemy, flee. In my heart, enemy, flee. I will not let you control me through how I feel about things, through my feelings. I will not dictate what I do. I will not let my feelings become more important than, than what God is saying in God's voice. Enemy, flee. I will not make decisions based on my feelings. Enemy, flee in my mind. Enemy, I will no longer let you plant these thoughts of offense in my mind. Enemy, flee. I won't pursue the lustful thoughts that you bring into my mind when I am weak. Enemy, flee. These thoughts of anger or resentment or or these thoughts of whatever it is. Enemy, flee. I won't let that exist in my mind. I'm not gonna let those thoughts stay. I won't let you control me by using what I've been hurt with in the past. I won't let you try and distance me from God by using what I've been hurt with in the past. Enemy, flee. And we're gonna talk in this uh, worship, we're gonna worship and sing, God, you are my champion. And then we're gonna talk about how, God, you have given me the authority, that I have the authority that you have given me. The authority to say, enemy, flee. Enemy, flee in every situation. Enemy, flee in everything. So stand with me and and as you're worshiping, declare, stand and declare, enemy, you will flee from my mind. You will flee from my eyes. You will flee from my heart. I will not let you determine what I do. I will not let you force me to sow things that I do not want to reap. Stand and declare that in this moment.